I got to start working out again. There's a few things that have uh, been making that uh, obvious to me. One is the tightness of my collar this morning. Um, I noticed when I was buttoning the top collar, I was like, this is not good. Uh, you, you know, it's a shame. If you've known me for a long time, sometimes it, it leaves me and other times it comes back. And uh, I'm definitely in a stage of it being back. And uh, I'm kind of bummed about that, but it's no, no one's fault in my mind. But uh, I'm feeling it right now. It's like, whew, you know, I feel like, give me the oxygen tank and, uh, and give me some breath. But no, it's, uh, it's a joy. It really, truly is a joy to worship with you. And um, I hope you have the same heart. I hope that you wake up on Sundays and say, it's great to be together worshiping our Savior. Because uh, Jesus is awesome. And I just want to take a moment as, as we reflect a little bit on last week. And I just want to thank everyone. Uh, thank everyone who played a part in last week's Easter service. You know, Easter is a big day for, for a church. Um, yes, we celebrate the resurrection every single Sunday uh, because Jesus is alive. Uh, but there is something that we do set apart on, on Easter. We know that we'll get visitors. We know that we really do want to set our best foot forward, not for our sake, but for the glory of Christ that people would see and know that we make a big, big deal about Jesus Christ. That it's not just a passing uh, fad for us or not just words only, but we really, truly love Jesus Christ. And so our nursery workers and greeters, Sunday school teachers, Jeff, thank you for bringing us God's word last week. Um, the worship teams from Friday night, uh, Team Darren on Friday night, and, and we as a worship team, uh, praise team. We really worked hard. We, we, we rehearsed probably about two and a half, almost three hours on Saturday uh, for God's glory. Not that we would look good, but that Jesus would look good. And I believe Christ was exalted last week. And so I just praise God for that. Thank you, everyone. And, and really, I want to thank anyone who attended because we all together lifted up our voices. And again, I'm going to say it again. We want to make a big deal about Jesus Christ. Because he is our savior, he is our Lord, and he is alive. It makes us different than any other religion. We're not burning incense to a statue. We are praising, to a praising and praying and worshiping a living and active God. I also was uh, talking with Darren this past week, and, and I, I need to say it again. We are, as worship team, we are so encouraged uh, by the hearts of all of you. Uh, we really do often up here have a difficult time hearing our voices and our instruments over your voices. And that's how it should be. Jesus is great. And the praise, your voices of praise drown us out. And this is good and this is proper. I, I praise God for what he's doing in our hearts in terms of worship at this church. Well, I say this every year on the Sunday after Easter, and I've got great news. The tomb is still empty. And we can live each day in the joy and in the power of our resurrected Jesus. And we have life eternal because of him. He is our victor. He is our risen king. Amen? You know, um, just in, in this quick sidelight, because this is what I do. Um, you know, we have our pastor search going on. And we're, we're up to about, uh, I think, 88 resumes, 89 resumes. And then Friday... Uh, I got uh, an email that the, the 90th came in. 
And uh, can you believe it? It was a, it was a twin team. There was two brothers that uh, wanted to come and, and, and minister as twin pastors. Just so you know, I was on to our other guys like that. <laughs> Jeff and I'm like April Fool's, right? <laughs> I mean, they didn't, they didn't even have me for a second. But, but the reason I bring this up publicly is one, I'm like, that's April Fool's for one. Two, and then Jeff playing along with it goes, uh, well, let me clarify, I'll email him back. And I see NASA, NASA as the, uh, as the email address, <laughs> you know, because everyone works at NASA, right? <laughs> and, uh, and I'm like, you guys really think I'm really kind of dull. <laughs> Just so you know, you started something that you really may not want <laughs> to have happen. I don't lose too often. But anyways, just so you know, we have a lot of joy. We have a lot of joy in Christ. We, we uh, yeah, there's some hard, hard things through the years that we as elders and, and that you as a congregation that we've had to do that has brought us a lot of pain, a lot of sorrow. Um, but Jesus is worth it. It's God's glory in the church that we really, truly care about. And we love each other. And we love you. And so thanks for hanging in in this time of transition. God has something for us, and that's where we're going to be in our passage today. We are going to be looking at uh, the goodness of our God and the greatness of him. So we've been, uh, it looks like we're heading into a time where we're going to be able to tackle a good amount of Ephesians. I love Missions Month. I love having Easter, but I also love maybe getting on a roll a little bit. And I feel like our section on prayer kind of got chopped up, which is, which is okay, because God is sovereign. But hopefully over the next few months, we'll be able to really tackle a few things. But today we are indeed finishing up. By the way, in the last three weeks, I said that in my notes. I said, we're finishing up today, and I never got there. Today we will. Today we are finishing up the first section of our basic outline, and I'm big on review. And the reason I'm big on, on review is I believe it would be a shame if we went into the book of Ephesians, taught each Sunday, but then you left and you said, and if someone on the street or your kid came up to you and said, what's the book of Ephesians about? And if you just kind of said, um, I know by grace you've been saved, which by the way would be awesome. Nothing wrong with that. But it'd be awesome if we really knew, oh, Ephesians. Chapter 1, 2, and 3 is our position in Christ, who we are in Christ. Chapters 1, 2, and 3 show us so much of what Jesus has done for us. And all you have to do is go back and take a look and see that we've been chosen in him to be holy and blameless, that we've been blessed with every spiritual blessing in the heavenly places in Christ. We've been saved by grace. We've been made alive in Christ. That's chapters 1, 2, and 3, amongst many other things. Who we are in Christ, our position in Jesus Christ. But also, in this book, we're getting close in chapters 4, 5, and 6. We see our practice in Christ Jesus. How we live our lives because of who we are in Christ. And we are so close to being there. In fact, next week, we get to start chapter 4. And yeah, I know, I feel like getting ahead of myself sometimes. But it would be a shame to miss off from where we're at and what we've been studying. We need to finish up this prayer of Paul. But I would ask you, and I would, I would, I would encourage you, maybe in this time of, of transition and, and just different missions messages and stuff, could I ask you, as a church, continue to do whatever Bible reading you may be doing, but can you spend some moments in Ephesians each week? It doesn't take long to read. It doesn't take long to meditate on a bit. 
This letter is so important for the church today. So spend some time meditating on all God has done for us in Jesus Christ. You see, the more we immerse ourselves in God's grace, the more we see what he has done, and we see how awesome Jesus is, the more important he becomes to us, and sin will finally really begin to look ugly. When we see Jesus for who he is, our sin looks ugly. But when we sin, every, myself, I'm just speaking for me, I, I'm saying, hey, that's better than Jesus right now. And I'm going to go sin. May that never be. And so we need to be people who know Christ, who love Christ, who see all that God has done. And we will see holiness being fueled by God's grace. And not just trying harder. So spend time in Ephesians And so here we are, Ephesians chapter 3, verses 14 through 21, where we've been in the past weeks. Let's read our passage together. For this reason, I bow my knees before the Father, from whom every family in heaven and on earth is named, that according to the riches of his glory, he may grant you to be strengthened with power through his spirit in your inner being, so that... Christ may dwell in your hearts through faith, that you, being rooted and grounded in love, may have strength to comprehend with all the saints what is the breadth and length and height and depth, and to know the love of Christ that surpasses knowledge, that you may be filled with all the fullness of God. Now to him who is able to do far more abundantly than all we ask or think, according to the power at work within us, to him be glory in the church and in Christ Jesus throughout all generations, forever and ever. Amen. Let's pray. Father, I would pray for your strength this morning. Father, I pray for your Holy Spirit to guide and direct us. Father, may your Spirit guide and direct my words, and Father, may your Holy Spirit work within our lives, work within our hearts so that your word would come to us powerfully this morning. Father, show us your glory this morning. Show us who you are. May your spirit reveal to that to us. It's in Jesus' name we pray, amen. So we've been looking at Paul's prayer for the church and we've seen a couple things. We've seen how we should pray, just in review. If you get the opportunity, I would encourage you to go back uh, and listen to the messages. Not that they're anything great in and of themselves, but they are from God's word. And you see in our passage that we should pray humbly. We come humble. We come before Almighty God, humble and full of gratitude. Remember that Paul starts out saying this, for this reason. Well, what is the reason? What is the reason he bows his knees to the Father? Well, you just spend a couple chapters telling the church all that God has done for them. You see, we have this avalanche or this tidal wave of grace and mercy in chapters one through three that we've been blessed with every spiritual blessing in the heavenly places, that we were dead in our sins but made alive, that we've been saved by grace alone. You know the list. Don't ever forget the list either. Don't forget what God has done. And I would also say this, if if needed, if you ever doubt God's love for you, if you're ever feeling sorry for yourself, 
If you ever feel abandoned by friends or family, run to God's word. Run there. Run to the the book of Ephesians and allow yourselves to weep for joy at the love of God for you. God has done so much for us and each and every one of us who are in Christ, we have transformed lives. We have changed lives in Jesus Christ. You see, we did nothing to deserve this new life that we have in Christ, but God was rich in mercy and he loves us with a great love and he made us alive when we were dead. You see, God's grace changes everything. That's why we sing amazing grace. How sweet the sound that saved a wretch like me. And it humbles us. We don't like to say, I didn't do it. How many of you are slow to ask for help like me? Oh, I'm very slow. I'll get it, I'll get it, I'll get it. I have kids come, oh boy, I always get in trouble for this. Sometimes my kids like, don't help me, dad, I got this. So you do, and you, you know, you, if you're like me, you're like the dad, you're like, you know, eh, stop, you do you know, and you, but our kids want to grow and they want to do it themselves, which is a good thing. But also, do we need help sometimes? But it's like against, we are, we're so full of pride that we fail to admit that we need help. But we need to know that it was God's grace and we brought nothing to this. But God was good. So we pray in humility and we bow and we surrender to his mercy. We must be a humble people. We pray humbly. Well, what do we pray for? In our passage, we see this. We pray for the fullness of God's power and God's love. And we saw how we need to be strengthened by the Spirit's power in verses 16 and 17. We saw in verses 17 and 19, through 19, we need power to grasp God's love for us. We also need to know and grasp this. In God's love, we're secure. We're rooted and grounded. And we need to know and grasp the limitless dimensions of God's love for us. As high as the heavens are above the earth, so great is his love for us. See, we need to grasp and hold on to this, that God's love surpasses knowledge, and it's God's love that makes us complete. It's what fills us. Knowing the love of Christ that surpasses knowledge has this purpose, that we would be filled with all the fullness of God. You see, the Christian life is knowing and living and embracing and being filled with the love of God and the love of Christ. So that is what we pray for. We pray for the fullness of God's power and God's love. That we would be filled with all the fullness of God. Today I want to look at why we pray. You ever thought about this? Why? Why does Paul pray the way he does? What does Paul know? And you see right here, Paul moves into doxology of praise. And I don't know, maybe a few years ago, I think I did, uh, I spoke on and taught on Jude, the doxology in Jude. Now who? Now him who was able to keep you from stumbling and to make you stand in the presence of God in his glory, blameless with great joy. To the only God our Savior through Jesus Christ our Lord be majesty, glory, dominion, and power for now and all times and forever. Something like that. That's the Ron Frisberg version. But it gets the point. A doxology is praise words. Now, I want you to think about this. In, these, in the verses we're looking at today, if it's praise, is this quiet? No. Praise is not soft. 
See, Paul here is loudly proclaiming a doxology of who God is. And he moves into the greatness of God. He's proclaiming how great God is. So why do we pray? Because our God is great and greatly to be praised. It is worship. And so we have words of praise that we need to look at. And let's look at our great God. Let's read the scriptures. Now to him who is able to do far more abundantly than all we ask or think, according to the power at work within us, to him be glory in the church and in Christ Jesus throughout all generations forever and ever. Amen. First, what do we see about God? What does Paul know? What is Paul proclaiming with loud praise? It is this. God is able. Think about that for a moment. God is able. God is powerful. And what is God able to do? Well, Paul tells us. Our able, sovereign God is able to do far more. Gets better than just that. Our sovereign God is able to do far more abundantly, and it still gets better. Our sovereign God is able to do far more abundantly than all we ask. Wait, there's more. Our sovereign God is able to do far more abundantly than all we ask or think. God is able. God is powerful. God is at work. You see, our sovereign God, the boss, is the only God, and he is able. Our God is the powerful, mighty God who raised Jesus from the dead and placed him as head of the church. And this God is able. He is able to do far more abundantly than all we ask or think. God is able to do far more abundantly than we can even ask or imagine. So who are we to be? We are to be a people who come to God in expectant prayer. God is able. So pour out your heart to God and believe in him. Believe in his power. Believe in his ability to move and to work powerfully. Any of you remember as a kid going up to your parent and asking for something extravagant? And when you're little, extravagant could be an extra cookie, right? I don't think they're going to... Remember, I remember with my brother, who's going to ask dad if we can go do this? And, you know, flip a coin. We would do that and take a look and like, oh, I drew the short straw or whatever. I got to go. Hey, dad, can we go to the Giants baseball game by ourselves? Yeah, I trust you. What? Mike, he said yes. Can you believe that? We expected a no, but we got yes. God is one that we should come and expect a yes when our hearts are aligned with him because he works powerfully and he is able. So how does God work? You see, God is not passive. God is not quiet. God is active and God is at work. 
Do we believe that? Remember, this is Paul shouting out words of praise. Let me tell you who God is. He is powerful and he is working. He is alive. He is active. Pour out your heart to him and believe that he will work. And how does God work? How does he work far more abundantly than all we ask or think? How does God do this? Well, what does our text say? How does he do it? How? I'll tell you. He works according to the power at work within us. God is at work within us. He powerfully works in you, in me. God is not passive with us. God works powerfully in his children. Think about scripture. Think about all your Sunday school stories. Think about what we know. The Bible is full of examples of God's powerful work in the lives of his people. And I sometimes think we make a mistake and think Abraham was different than us. Abraham was born in sin. But by faith, he placed his faith in God. That's what Hebrews says, that was Romans says. He was justified by faith, like you and like me. But God worked mightily with him. Moses. Boy, did Moses have some struggles? Yes. Did God work powerfully, powerfully through Moses? We got the first five books of the Bible. The law came through Moses. He led the people from Egypt. You know the stories. David. A man after God's own heart. Did, did David mess up? Did David have family troubles? Did, he, did his kids line up really the way you think he wanted them to? Absalom? Tamar? Go back and read. David was a man. But did God work powerfully within him? Read the Psalms. Read David's heart for a temple to be built. Daniel, a young man in captivity. Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. If I had to guess, high school age, standing up before the most powerful king in the world at the time, we will not bow down to our God. Go ahead, throw us in the fire, but my God is able. That's what they said. God is able to save us. And even if he doesn't, we're still not bowing down. We're not different than those young men. They were born with a sin nature too. Gideon, Nehemiah, Jeremiah, Isaiah, the disciples. I love the book of James. He says this, that Elijah was a man with a nature like us. And he prayed. And what did God do? Stop the rain, right? What else did God do through Elijah? Fire from heaven. Going up against the prophets of Baal. And God showed his glory and his power through Elijah. James says it. Elijah was a man like us. Flesh and blood. In all these examples of God's power and at work, at work I would add the church. Throughout the ages, God's power has moved powerfully in his church. I would also add you and me. We each sit here today and stand here as testimonies of God's power. 
You were dead in your sins and you've been made alive by the power of God, by grace. Power is so misinterpreted, isn't it? Because the world takes power and they want to abuse or rule or be selfish in their power. The power of God is used for his glory. And we are mirrors and reflections of God's glory by the power of God working within us. Each of us who are redeemed and adopted into God's family know this. God is at work. God is powerfully at work within us. In 2 Peter 1, chapter 1, verses 3 through 8, I want to read this. I want us to know how the power of God works within us. His divine power has granted to us all things that pertain to life and godliness through the knowledge of him who called us to his own glory and excellence, by which he has granted to us his precious and very great promises, so that through them you may become partakers of the divine nature, having escaped the corruption that is in the world because of sinful desire. For this reason, make every effort to supplement your faith with virtue and virtue with knowledge and knowledge with self-control and self-control with steadfastness and steadfastness with godliness and godliness with brotherly affection and brotherly affection with love. For if these qualities are yours and increasing, they keep you from being ineffective or unfruitful in the knowledge of our Lord Jesus Christ. You see, God's power works within us and we grow in grace and we grow in the knowledge of God and it gives us everything pertaining to life and godliness and then it says we will not be ineffective. I don't know about you, but I want to be effective in the kingdom of God. I want Grace Bible Church to be an effective church, one that God's power is at work, moving within us and moving within our community. God is able and he can do more than we even ask or think as it comes to our lives. You see, God is at work. And he's powerfully at work within us. I know I'm repeating myself with that, but we need to grasp it. We need to know this. We need to understand and we need to thank God and worship him in praise that God is able to work powerfully within us. It is his power working in us that makes us effective and fruitful in his kingdom. God is able. He is able to do great and mighty things through ordinary people like you and me. He does this by the power at work within us. And why does God do this? Why does God use us? Why does he use someone like me? A big goof, really. I'm a goofy guy. But I praise God that he uses me in some way. And he uses you. You're goofy too, by the way. But he uses us. God does all his mighty, powerful works for this reason, for his glory. We pray for power and we pray for love for this reason alone. To him be glory in the church and in Christ Jesus to all generations forever and ever. Amen. God blesses and empowers his children for his own glory. It is all for the glory of God. 
Look where God desires his glory to be. To him be glory in the church. My friends, our church, Grace Bible Church, must be a community that brings all praise and all glory to God alone. Who receives the glory in Levi Stadium? Usually it's the star player of whomever the Niners are playing lately. But if it's a concert, maybe it's Taylor Swift getting the glory. Or One Direction. Am I right, kids? I, don't, I, I think they filled that stadium up. Thankful I wasn't there. Who receives the glory in palaces or in capital buildings? Who receives glory in our world? You see, all people, and you've heard me say this before, understand worship and they understand praise. Do you know we were made to worship? We were made to praise. We will worship and we will praise something. It's just oftentimes and most of the times misdirect, misdirected. But we were all made to shout and to sing out loud praise. You see, the problem is that our athletic heroes' accomplishments or our favorite singer or our band, our favorite band, or the executives who make our stock portfolios grow, sadly, they receive praise because their actions are more real to us than the power of God working within us. And that is tragic. In the church, in our lives, who is the one who receives all the glory forever and through all generations? God alone. You see, when we live in the reality of all we've studied in Ephesians 1 through 3, it will ignite our worship. We will see God's mercy and God's grace and we will experience it and we will know it. And God's power will be working within us and we will be ones who shout out, look what God has done to a wretch like me who once was lost but now is found. And our worship will be ignited and I believe God is doing that, and I praise God for that. Are we enamored with God's grace? Are we saturated with God's grace? Is God's grace and mercy and all we are in Christ, may that be the focus of our lives. It ignites our worship and it ignites our praise. You see, man's going to receive glory in theaters, on the TV, in stadiums, but the church must be a place that reflects the glory of God to the world. May we here at our church, at Grace Bible Church, be a local example of God's glory at work. Why? And know this, God is able. God is able to do far more abundantly than all we ask or think, according to the power at work within us. To him be the glory in the church and in Christ Jesus throughout all generations, forever and ever. Amen. You know what these verses are telling me? That God is able to do more in our little local church than we've yet even asked for. Or even thought about. God is able God is able to move within our church and do so much, so much more. See, God is going to bring to us a pastor-teacher. 
and we're going to rejoice. But will it end there? No. God will do more after that. We are going to see ministries through the years expand and grow. Will that be the end of God's work? No. Because God is able. God wants and will do more, far more. We never stop praising God and praying to him to do his work in our church. You know what else this tells me? Please, don't be cynical about God's church. Yes, problems come. And at the end of the day, hard decisions are made that have caused great, great pain to you and tremendous pain to me and the other elders and to our families and to our children. If it was about our glory, if it was about our comfort and not about God, I can tell you what, I would never, ever go through what we've gone through as a church. Sorry, I know some people say, hey, maybe you shouldn't bring it up. It's always kind of like the rat in the corner that no one wants to bring up. You have to trust our hearts and our examples. We're not perfect men. Far from it. But my head hits the pillow with this. I can tell you that it is God's glory that we seek and not our own. Oh man, if we sought our own, I wouldn't go through it. I wouldn't go through it. I wouldn't put my family through what we've been through. And I'm not even complaining about it. Please hear my heart. God is able, even with everything that's happened, to do far more abundantly than all we ask or think or can even imagine. Don't be cynical. What a tragedy. You are, you are killing your powerful life in Christ if you want to be cynical about what God is doing and what God will do. And if you don't believe God is at work, yeah, shut the doors. But I truly, truly believe God is at work and God will do more. And I look forward to it because God is able to do far more than we can even imagine. Where are we going to be in 10 years? I don't know. I could be dead. But here's what's good. Maybe, maybe you rejoice at that. I don't know. Hey, I'll be happy. I'll be in heaven. But where does God's glory stop? It says, forever and to all generations. I pray 40 years from now, people aren't going to have a clue about the tough 10 years we've had. I don't even know if it's 10 years. Time flies when you're having fun. <laughs> but whatever it's been, you think in 40 years, if God is so good to us and God powerfully moves, what will we see here? A vibrant church displaying the glory of God. That's my prayer. And it has nothing to do with me because I'll be gone. And so will you. Don't be cynical. God is able.
These verses tell us that we should never be cynical about God's ability to powerfully work and move within our church and to move within us as individuals. God is able. God is powerful. And he is able and he is powerful to all generations. And to him be glory forever and ever. You see, the church belongs to God. It belongs to no one else. The only glory here goes to God and God alone. We exalt Christ. And God is able to do far more abundantly than we could ever imagine. You see, God is at work. He's at work in you. He's at work in your family. And he's at work in your church. God is able. And as we move into communion, I would ask you now to know and reflect on the power of God. I believe God wants to do so much more in our lives and within our church. Do you believe God is able to do wonderful, God-glorifying, Christ-glorifying things in our church? He wants to and he will because we will proclaim his word. Yes, and we're proclaiming it in jars of clay, broken vessels, that barely hold water. But you know what that shows? It shows that it's God's power and not our own. When God moves within our church, it will be obvious that it was God moving and not Ron, not Jeff, not Steve, not Scott, who's now on another ministry. It will be no one working but God. But we have the privilege, right, of being in his family. As we go into communion, we're going to do something a little different. Grab your Bibles. And what I want to do is, worship team, you can come on up. I want to take a few moments before we pass out the bread and the cup. Turn to Ephesians. Turn back to Ephesians 1. In chapters 1, 2, and 3, you go wherever you feel like it. But take a few moments to quietly meditate and reflect on all God has done for us. Spend some time in worship and praise quietly in your hearts before we receive the gift of communion where we remember what Christ has done for us. Take some time prayerfully reflect on all God has done for us. Do you see his power at work within you in these passages? I ask you, are these truths real to you? You see, look what God has done. We are all a testimony of his power at work. So reflect on who you are in Christ. And know this, you are who you are because of the power of God working within you. God is able. Take some time now and remind yourself of our powerful God. Thank you.